Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, EncounterChurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. How many of you are ready for our message today? Yeah, amen. I'm super excited about this message. By the way, do I say that every week? I feel like every Sunday I start with, I'm super excited. That's because I've been dealing, you get like 35 minutes of a message. I've had all week long on this baby. So this has been like stirring on the inside of me. So by the time I get to Sunday mornings, I'm ready to open up the top and let it just kind of pour out. It's kind of like taking a bottle of soda, you shake it up and open the lid and it just spews everywhere. That's where I am right now. So we are going to kick off a brand new series that we're simply calling Hope in the Darkness. Now, if you were with us last week, you learned that our word for 2020 is the word hope. And I find it interesting that it seems like every time I turn on the radio or I go to a a meeting with a bunch of pastors, um, that this word hope over the last two weeks has been popping up everywhere. I don't know if it's just in my little circle or if you're experiencing that also, but hope seems to be the word. And just for the record, God gave me this word back in September. So I'm not like running off some sort of thing that just happened on the radio last week. I believe that hope is our word. And for the year 2020, it's going to run through the DNA of all that we are as a body of believers. Why? Because so many people in our society, and quite honestly, so many people even in our church, have lost their sense of hope. Let me say that again, because that should have gotten just a few amens. Many in our society, and quite honestly, many in the church today, have lost their sense of hope. Many, including Christians, have lost the sense of optimistic expectancy in life. But let me be completely honest with you. Jesus is ready and willing today to restore that hope even in the midst of the darkness hope is available to each and every one of us today therefore for the next six weeks we're going to take some time and we're going to discover how it is that we move from this hopeless dark world into a hope-filled life with jesus christ Let me look at our text, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 1. It says, again, I observed all the oppression. Oppression is those experiencing unjust or unfair treatment for an extended period of time. I observed all of this oppression that takes place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. Maybe that's where you feel you are today. You're experiencing this unjust, unfair treatment. Life is not working out the way you thought it was going to work out. And it seems that there's just nobody there to comfort you. The oppressors have great power. And their victims are helpless. Life simply is not fair. Have you ever noticed that? 
good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. Things don't go the way that you want them to go. Life doesn't treat you the way you think you should be treated. The outcome in your life is not really what you expected it or even thought it should be. It just doesn't seem So we end up blurting out as loud as we can, that's not fair. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, that's not fair. Have you ever said that? Now, oftentimes we'll say, well, no, that's just the little kids in kids' church. If they don't get a toy that they want or they don't get the food they want or they don't get this or that they want, then they're going to say it's not fair. No, we're guilty of that as adults even. When things really don't go the way that you thought they should go, when, when you're not the one that got the promotion, when, when you're the one that's dealing with situations and struggles, when you've got that battle raging in your household, you're the one that's going to stand up and you're going to, at the top of your lungs, declare, that's not fair. Oftentimes we look out for ourselves. Because if we're honest today, uh, we would admit that fairness is simply a matter of perspective. How does it line up for me? What seems right or just in my circumstance or situation? But I think the bigger question that we've got to ask this morning is this. How will you respond, how will I respond when life's not fair? Think about that for a moment. Because let's be honest, it's not going to be fair. It's not. Oh, we can try to be politically correct as much as we can. Or as little as we want to. We can try and try and try, but... Life's just not going to be fair. Good things are going to happen to bad people, and bad things are going to happen to good people. Things aren't going to go the way that you want them to go. It's not going to line up perfectly in your situation every time. So how are you going to respond? What are you going to do? You see, each and every one of us has the choice of how we will respond in life. You can respond as the majority of society. You can get angry with people. You can badmouth them on social media. You can air all your laundry on Facebook and let everybody know the dirty details of your life. You can get angry at the situation. You can get angry at your boss or your place of employment. It's their fault. They treated me wrong. You can even get angry with God. You see, there are other choices, though. And that's what I want to look at today. I want to take a few moments here, and I want to look at what do we do and how should we respond biblically when life is not fair. Four observations. Number one is this. You have a choice to make. Did you know that? No one can make you mad. No one can upset you. You have a choice of how you are going to respond. Now, people can treat you you poorly. 
situations can, can go the wrong direction. But you have a choice in life. The question of injustice can be asked in many different ways. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad people seem to prosper? Where is God when I hurt? When things just don't seem to be fair? When things aren't just in life? Where is God? If God really is God and and He is merciful and he's loving, then why doesn't God step in? Why doesn't he do something about those situations and circumstances in my life? Why doesn't he help me out? The answer is simple. He does. He does. Deuteronomy chapter 11, take a look at what it says. Look, today I am giving you the choice You have a choice. God says, today I'm giving you a choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed. How many of you would rather be blessed than cursed? How many of you would rather be cursed than blessed? No no takers, no takers on that one? Good, then stay with me. Hang tight for a few moments. You're going to get this. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord, your God, and I, that I have given you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord, your God, and turn away from Him and worship gods that have, that have not known before, that you have not known before. Today I'm giving you a choice between a blessing and a curse. Now listen carefully, I'm not saying that your life is going to be perfect. I'm not saying that everything is going to be a bed of roses, that everything is going to be glorious all the time. But I'm saying you're going to be blessed. If you trust in God, if you rely upon God, if you depend upon God, if you follow His ways, you will be blessed. Here's the fact of the matter. When it all boils down, life is simply not fair. But the outcome is determined by your response. You will choose a blessing from God or a curse. It's times like this that I simply have to sit back and ask myself, Do I really trust God? It's times like this that I've got to sit back and and remind myself that that He alone is God. Isaiah 55 tells us this, His thoughts aren't our thoughts and His ways are not our ways. Here's the deal, the path of the Lord, the plans of God Almighty are not limited to your finite mind. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how high your IQ is. It pales in comparison to that of God. We've got to learn to come to the place of trusting Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Why? Why why can't we just lean on our understanding? Because our understanding is limited. We don't understand why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. I don't have the answer for that. 
And I feel I'm a pretty smart guy. That's why I've got to learn to trust God, lean on the Lord, trust in the Lord, not on my understanding, not on my ability. The word trust by definition is this, assured reliance on the character, the ability, the strength, the truth of someone or something. So for us, we're leaning upon, we're trusting in, we're relying upon the character, the ability, the strength, and the truth of God Almighty. He'll never let us down. He'll be with us in every moment. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, there he is in that moment to to reach out his loving arms, to to wrap himself around us, to hold us. For reasons we don't understand, difficulty occurs. It doesn't matter how you look at the scripture, whether you consider yourself a good person, a just person, or an unjust person, Jesus says life is not always going to be fair. John 16 tells us that in this world you'll have problems. You have trials. You have tribulations. Life stinks. Right? Apart from God, this life is just awful. Jesus is our game changer. He's our game changer. See, here's the deal. If you are so consumed with the need of fairness in your life, listen carefully, somebody needs to grab a hold of this. If you are consumed with the needful, millennials, listen to this. Creators of millennials, listen to this. If you are consumed with the need for uh, fairness in life, you will never come to a place of real peace. If you are consumed that everything in life has to be fair, that everything's got to be divvied up perfectly between me and you and you and you and you and you and you, and you can't have more than I can have, and I can't have more than you, and I can't be blessed more than you, and you can't be blessed more than them, and you certainly can't be more blessed than them, that's not fair. If I'm consumed with that, then I'm going to miss out on the blessings of God. Because I've lost my focus. See, the first observation is you have a choice to make. The second is this, you have an offer to accept. You have an offer to accept. You see, as you are making your choice in life of how to respond, the good news is, God sets before you an example to follow. Isn't that great? He doesn't just say, this is what you've got to do, or this is what you really should do, or this will be a a great idea if you did this and didn't ever show us a way to accomplish it. But he showed us a way. Look at this, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Now, there are a couple things in this scripture I want to point out. Number one is this. God demonstrated his love. 
He demonstrates for you and you and for me and for every one of us today and those listening online, he's demonstrated his love for us today. Now the word demonstrate means that something is set as an example. It's set up as an example for others to follow. If I was to demonstrate to you how to accomplish a task, then I would expect you to do what I've demonstrated to you. Parents, have you ever demonstrated something to your children? Your hope and your desire is that in turn, they would go and do what you have demonstrated to them, right? And then if they don't quite accomplish that, what do you do? You demonstrate it again. And you show them again. And you show them again. And you show them again. And your desire is that they will follow what you're demonstrating. Here, God sets the example. He demonstrates his love by sending Jesus to die for us. Even when things aren't fair. Let me clarify. Was it fair that Jesus had to leave heaven? Was it fair that he had to leave the perfection of all heaven and come to this earth and spend 33 years on this earth to die on a cross for something he did not do? Was it fair that that God sent Jesus to pay for your ransom? Was it fair that an imperfect person can be made right by the sacrifice of a perfect Savior? Think about that. That's not fair. That's not fair. Yet God... God demonstrated his own love for us. When life wasn't fair, Jesus died on the cross. We call it grace. God showed grace. Something we we can never earn, something we don't deserve, but certainly something that we need. He's made it available every one of us why well he demonstrates his love but secondly because we're hopeless look at your neighbor the one you didn't talk to a while ago and say you're hopeless (laughs) ephesians chapter 2 said some of you got more fun out of that than you have anything else today you have been gearing up because that person was your second choice anyway you know, the other person, they were your first choice. That's who you turned to first. So this person, you were just like, uh-uh, you are hopeless, girl. <laughs> Let me go on. Ephesians chapter 2. I told you I was ready for this. Good stuff. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Are we seeing a, a track record here? You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires of the inclinations of our sinful nature, but our very nature will be subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. 
And he loves us. He loves you. You can put your name in there. He loves you so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. It's only by God's grace Because God loved you so much that he was willing to turn the tables in your favor to alter the definition of fair so that you could have real life. Because without him, we are hopeless. Without him, there there is no hope. Without him, it's just darkness. Without Him, we're spiritually dead because of the decision, the choices that we have made. Colossians chapter 2 says this, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Look at this. Because of our sin, it's our faults that we are dead because of sin. Because of the choices that we have made, we are hopeless. Our faults. It's not God's fault. It's not someone else's fault. It's not mom or dad's fault or grandma or grandpa's fault. It's not your society's fault. It's our fault because of the choices that we've made in life. And therefore, what we deserve, the Bible says, is death. Separation from God for all eternity, ultimate death. But again, God bypasses, come on, you got to hold on to this. God bypasses the fairness booth. He, He formulates a rescue plan for you, for you, for you, 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 and for me. He sends Jesus. Jesus came not only to forgive us, but to disarm the enemy. We once stood hopeless facing death, but now a a substitution stands in our place. Jesus offers himself for you and for me. And guess what? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. When life is not fair, when life doesn't play right, when life deals me a rough hand of cards, guess what? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I've got a choice to make. I've got an offer to accept. Number three, you have a life to develop. You have a life to develop. The first thing that we want to do when life doesn't play fair, the first thing that we want to do when situations arise, we want to duck and run. We want to avoid it at any cost. But how many of you know that it's in the difficult times of life 
that we are truly built into the man or the woman that God desires us to be. Did you know that? It's in the difficult moments of life that God molds us and shapes us. Oftentimes, we learn more from failures than we do from success. You don't believe that. This afternoon, do me a favor. Grab a two-by-four and three nails. Put your thumb the first time on top of the nail and hit the hammer down. Let me know if you've learned anything for the second nail. All right. It's in tough times that we develop character, not in easy times. How do I know that? Because Romans 5 tells me this. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Look at this. We can rejoice when life's not fair. That doesn't make sense. How, how can we, now, it's easy. Some of you are like, amen, right off the bat. How can, how can we say that? How can we jump onto that moment? When life's not fair, I can celebrate? How is that even possible? Well, we've got to back up a little bit. We've got to do this section of Scripture in reverse. If you look at the last Scripture there, verse 5, it says this, For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. How many of you would agree that when life's not fair, we just want somebody to show us love? Come on, let's be honest. When things aren't fair, we just want somebody to walk up and go, come here, come on. Sit down. When life's not fair, we want somebody to embrace us and go, you know what, I love you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit, I guess I should have hugged my wife. Sorry, that was. <laughs> that would have been a better illustration. Second service, baby, right there. You and me. In this moment, in front of everybody. This is us. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. When we face those difficult moments, when we have that struggle, He shows us favor. The Holy Spirit shows up. He steps in. He gives us that undeserved love, that undeserved grace. It's during this time that we begin to see endurance grow into our strength. And that strength develops our character. And that begins to finally bring us about to a confident hope. There's that word. Brings us to hope in the midst of darkness. And suddenly everything seems to work. We can rejoice because the Holy Spirit steps in. Someone once said that God is more interested in your spiritual growth than in your comforts. You see, we will, He will allow 
us to go through trials. He will allow us to go through tribulations so we can develop into the man or woman he desires. Now, we don't like that time. We don't like that, that molding process. Sometimes it hurts. That stretching time, sometimes it's uncomfortable. But if we really desire to, to move through this process of hopelessness to hope, there's going to be a time where God says, i, I got to do a little of this. I go to the chiropractor every once in a while, and when I go, there are times I've got something out in my back. Sometimes he's gentle with that little clicker thing up and down my spine, but sometimes he's like, okay, twist this way, and he's like, boom. And I may or may not scream like a schoolgirl. It's not comfortable, but can I just tell you, on the backside of that, I'm like, oh yeah. That's good stuff. Why? Because I've gone through that process. In our spiritual lives, we've got to allow God to move us through that process. But again, it's not always going to be easy. The good news is, you don't have to battle this alone. John 16, I alluded to it earlier. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But here's what a part I want you to grab a hold of. But take heart, because I, who's talking here, Jesus, I, Jesus, have overcome the world. He's already conquered your unfairness. Three of you are excited. Praise God. He's already overcome the world for you. Number four, you have a calling to achieve. You have a calling to achieve. Isaiah 1, 16 and 17. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sin out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Now, this verse makes it clear to me and hopefully to you that doing good is, is not a normal human trait. Did, did you see that? Wash your hands and be clean. Get your sins out of my sights. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. It says learn. It says seek. Both of these require action and determination on our parts. Going out of our way to do the unexpected. Micah chapter 6 says this is what God requires of you. He requires you to do what is right. To love mercy. To walk humbly with your God. We have a responsibility to share the love of Christ. We have a responsibility to respond in a manner that is holy and just. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Some would say, well, if life is not fair, then what's the use? Have you ever thought that? Well, if life isn't going to hand me a good deck of cards, if life isn't really going to go the way that I think it should go, if they're not going to treat me right, then what's the use? Well, I would say to you, do what's right anyway. Because that's what's expected of you. This is what God expects. 
This is what He requires. Do what is right. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Isaiah chapter 1 says this, Help the oppressed. So how do we do this? Romans chapter 12 says this, Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Are you seeing how all of this fits together? When life's not fair, what do you do? You seek justice. You pursue love. You help the oppressed. You do good. You represent God to the best of your ability. You don't become resentful. You don't try to retaliate. Don't take matters into your own hands. Give it to God. Let Him deal with it. He can do so much better than we can. Romans 12 says, Never take revenge into your own hands. God will take care of those matters. Do the right thing. Love mercy. Do what is right. Walk humbly with God. It's so counter what we learn in our regular life outside of these walls. It's so counter what society tells us. They say, shout from the rooftop, that's not fair. Badmouth them on Facebook and unfriend them, block them. That'll show them. I just tell you that's a trap we look at the world and we see people doing wrong we say well everyone else is doing it so it must be okay for me to do it wrong the Bible says take the high road be the example be set apart pursue your calling be who God's called you to be be his representative seek justice love mercy walk humbly with your God don't follow the crowd and doing wrong but they're getting away with it. Maybe I can too. No. You do the right thing. Even when they're doing the wrong thing. We need to remember that every one of us is going to give an account for our lives. Did you know that? I mean, he is printing off your Facebook post right now. We're going to give an account for our lives. And as a Christian, we're called to be set apart, to be different, to go against the flow. Let me share something with you I shared last week. If people can't find hope, hope must find them. We must be the funnel in which the hope of God flows. We must be that funnel. How do we do that? By doing the right thing. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your heart. Learn to do good. Seek justice. I challenge you today. Don't fall into the trap the society has laid out. Don't fall into this trap of 
of woe is me, life's just not fair. But give it to God and walk with Him.